Your last day of vacation and you found time for a deep tissue massage followed by a long mud bath then a two-hour nap. Because you're an American Express Platinum Guard member and booked your stay at a fine hotel and resort through Amex Travel, which means a 4 p.m. checkout. And those relaxing vacation vibes can keep going at the airport in the Centurion Lounge. Just a splash. Before you board the plane back to reality. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your travel experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. You can live out your MasterChef dreams. When you find a professional on Angie to tackle your dream kitchen remodel. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside. Repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. Welcome to the Nerdist Podcast number 826. Katie Levine, I see you eagerly awaiting to announce whatever is on your uh, piece of the Nerdist Community Corkboard. What yes. do you got? There is a comedy festival called the Red Clay Comedy Festival in Atlanta. It's uh, from September 29th to October 1st. And um, this year, Rory Scovel is going to be recording his new special or filming his new special there that is also going to be released by Third Man Records. Uh, the, some of the other headliners are Colin Quinn and Clayton English. And then also the, the festival is partnering with Project Paps Music Festival. And so if you go to the Red Clay Comedy Festival, your pass gets you into um, the music festival as well that also features Run the Jewels, No Effects, Mastodon, and a ton more. You can find out more info at redclaycomedy.com. Thank you, Katie Levine. Uh, this episode of the Nerdist Podcast is John Stamos, who is uh, such a, just like a nice guy. He's so lovely. He doesn't have to be. If John Stamos was a dick, wouldn't you be like, I get it. Yeah, he's very handsome. He's handsome. He's <laughs> successful. He's got a billion-dollar smile. And he just couldn't be nicer. Uh, he is on Scream Queens now, the next season of Scream Queens, which starts uh, September 20th, Tuesday, September 20th. So uh, watch him on that Fuller House coming back. Yeah. I found December, out during right? this podcast. Yeah. yeah, Fuller House coming back. So, uh, yeah, so thanks, John. Thanks, John Stamos, for coming on the podcast. I think he's just at John Stamos on Twitter, if I'm yes, not mistaken. Yes, I looked him up, yeah. And uh, this episode also... Oh, by the way, can I just say this? that At midnight's on at 1130 for now. Yeah. And we don't know if that'll be a permanent thing. I guess if you watch, it'll be permanent. And what if do you... you do if it turns permanent? Do you change the name? No. Because <laughs> at a certain point, the... At a certain point, a title just becomes like yeah. the brand of the show. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, I, I think some people have been a little like, but it's not at midnight now. Why wouldn't you call it at 1130? Yeah, like, but well, those people shut up. So. Well, <laughs> wow, Katie, cracking the whip. Mm. But uh, I, I sort of playfully justify it by saying like, well, we announce a winner at midnight. That's true. You know? You do. And the concept of the show is is kind of like midnight like these are a lot of the things that happen throughout this last day that end at midnight yeah you know so all fair points and honestly i was always fudging it a little bit because when i would say it's 11 59 and 59 seconds it was actually always 1201 (gasps) but i but it didn't make sense to say this happened earlier today because that just would have meant in the last minute that's so I, I was I had a, I drew a line, a line in the sand line. I'm like we have to say 11:59 59 seconds so that at least we can say this stuff all happened today. Now you might say, but then after 11:59 59 seconds, you took that time. Now it is midnight, so you technically can't say it anymore. And I would say, shut up about <laughs> it. Uh, it's just television. Don't take it. Don't take it too seriously. <laughs> but please watch it at midnight's on at 11:30 right now, following the Daily Show. And uh, you know, and honestly, 
tweet me or put on put on Reddit or whatever. Just suggestions to improve the show that do not include getting a new host. Just suggestions, <laughs> you know, different ways that you would like to. Because I think the show's really evolved. You know, it really did start as this kind of fun insipid game show about the internet with a lot of cat videos and, and dick now jokes. you've won two emmys now we've won two emmys we just won another yeah. emmy and so and so i kind of feel like we actually are the show is talking about relevant cultural things now and we have been talking about the election and i think you know i think we're actually a nice companion to the daily show we're presenting a lot of the material but in a different way with you know with a lot of with a high joke per minute ratio and and i just i love the crew here and i, I hope we get to do the show forever here's notice podcast number 826 with mr john stamos now entering Nerdist.com. Yeah, with Comic-Con, which was already fucking two months ago. Oh, my God. That's just weird. Time just is not. That's, uh, I know, you blink. We'll save it for the We'll say. Well, I think we're already recording now. We're already recording, oh, so we're all good. Yeah. I ran into you at Comic-Con, which was really fun. Have you been to Comic-Con a bunch? No, I was my, I was a virgin. Are you serious? Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm not a, you know, I, I'm a huge fan of you. Oh, you're doing yeah. so well. I'm so happy for Thank you. Thank you. I'm not much of a nerd. I'm a Disney nerd. Yes. But I've never been. No, I had never been. And, and um, I was. I really loved it. I was very surprised. Everybody said, oh, my God, it's crazy. You're not going to be able to, you know, walk around. And people, it was It was just a bunch of really cool fans. Like, you yeah. know, like, and I sometimes fans sounds like, you're, you know, uh, presumptuous or something. Like sure. you're putting them below you or something. But they were just like a. A bunch of cool people that yeah. you know were nice. It was really nice. Yeah, Comic Con's got such a good vibe to it. it. It's it's it can get very crowded. Yeah, but uh, once you figure out how to navigate it, it's actually pretty. Best pretty part fun was running into you. Yeah, that was fun. We ran into you at uh, the old uh, Zach Levi. That's right. Uh, shindig. Zach was nowhere to be found, but you were there. Holding court. <laughs> you know. I was. I came in. You know, I come in at it. There's a window that I come in because. You know, I don't drink, so at a certain time of the night, I feel like there's a drop-off where all the conversations become not real anymore because right. people get so fucked up. Right. So I just I kind of come in where people are still not super drunk yet, and then and I then skate out. Yeah, I slipped. Out. I was with you. I'm, I'm on the non-drinking tour as yeah. well, so I was like, get in and out. Yeah. Right. But I also have to apologize to you because. You showed up last week, and there was a schedule mix-up that was on our end, and I apologize. You came to, ready to podcast. That's right. I, it was our first day back from mm-hmm. hiatus and my honeymoon, and I was literally in a meeting with every head of Comedy Central, and I didn't... Our, you our were too were sore to, to walk. <laughs> was, yeah, you just yeah I got... Uh, There's a lot of pegging. Uh, pegging? <laughs> That's why I was too sore. <laughs> I yeah. just learned without... Man, recently. <laughs> uh, how did you find that out? I, I don't know. Oh, okay, but but yeah. What, what does your audience know? What that is? <laughs> Some of them what do. What do you talk about on here? I, I it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Pegging? I mean, we talk about everything. Oh, I know. Okay, good. Yeah, like I heard. Uh, was it Rob Reiner? Rob Reiner was on. That yeah, that was really good. He's we were li- we were driving. That was with my girlfriend, and we were like, oh, let's listen to Chris because I'm going to the show. And so the Rob Reiner was really sweet. Um, and then I go, what else? What I don't really know much about the podcast world. This is my first. Real good one. You know, really. Oh, hey, nice. Well, hey. you know, it's really just a loose conversation. And the reason that I think they work is because 
people like you do a lot of press, and mostly it's in junket form, or you're on a couch for seven minutes, right. and it's like... I think what's nice about these is that it's interesting just to hear how people are in conversation. Like, for an hour, people will really get a sense of who you are. I don't know if most people know what a Disney person you are, and that is an area where we have a lot to talk about, because... I just joined Club Thirty Three a couple oh, months you did. ago. Big shot. And I bought a uh, I bought a uh, Disney map, a nineteen fifty eight C Disney map mm-hmm. that this guy had. I don't know why he sold it, but when he was a kid, he and his mom were at Disneyland. He had a map. He saw Walt walking down Main Street. No. Ran up. Walt signed the map in ballpoint pen, and he had immediately had it framed. Wow! So it's this gorgeous condition map signed by hand signed by Walt. What is Walt spelled W A L T? Uh, as opposed, sure? to- how much do you buy it for? How do you know it's a real signature? Well, I got a guy though, by the way, who does who specializes in his signature. Boy, what if what if he's like it's not real and be like no? How it's much- almost more important to know. Was it? Was it, did you spend a lot on it? It was, I mean, it was more than, yeah, it was, yeah, yeah I spent, it was a, not an exorbitant, exorbitant amount of money, right, but right. En- enough. But what do you, you have? Well, when I was a kid, I, I, I mean, I grew up right near Disneyland in, in, in Anaheim. I grew up in Orange County, <clears throat> excuse me. And um, that was like my backyard. I, I just, I lived there and I loved it. And I don't, I don't know why, I don't, I wasn't escaping from any sort of a crappy childhood. I had a beautiful, you know, family and stuff, but I just love going there. And my friend, who I grew up with was collected military stuff. So I said, I want to collect something like you, you know? And I said, well, what do you like? I said, Disney stuff, you know? So when I started to get some dough, I said, well, I'm going to do that. The first thing Disney, you know, it was maybe been about 15 years now. Disney, uh, started an auction on eBay pretty pretty close to when eBay started. Mm-hmm. And the first thing they were auctioning off was the sign, this the, the big sign that was on Harbor Boulevard that says Disneyland. Oh, my God. And so I thought, oh, well, I'll, this is going to go for a million bucks. I might as well go ahead and put it in. So I put it in like the opening bid, which was like 35000 bucks. And then I forgot about it. And then whatever the nine days, however it was, <laughs> I looked and I was, oh, shit, I'm the winner. And I heard like Michael Jackson wanted it and this person wanted it. And it was sign, like, you know. And I kept refreshing it. I was walking around my office like, oh, shit, what am I going to do? Each letter is 14 by 9 feet. So I was like, what the hell am I going to do with this, you know? And I kept refreshing, refreshing, and then I won it. I was like, oh, sh- damn. So I have the, that sign, you know, and I, and I... Where did you put that? Well, I put it, like, I had it sort of in storage. Where I thought, I'm going to put the D up behind... I have a guest house, behind the guest house where nobody could see it. But I didn't think of Mulholland Highway that goes all the way along the... Back. So from <laughs> Laurel Canyon to Coldwater, if you look to the left, it's a big D for dickhead, you know, lives there. <laughs> Michael Jackson called me, too. What? Yeah. And it was during... Can uh, I have that? No. Yeah, it was... Well... Are you sure? He's like, hey, yeah. John... I, I, can I have that? No, no. Uh, one more question. Can I have that? No. <laughs> can I have, it was a weird. It was a, during a time when you know there was some stuff going. You know, oh. and he let's just left a message. He was with a friend. He said, "Hey, John, I really dig your stuff, and you know, we should go to Disneyland sometime." I was like, "I'm not going to Disneyland." You know, <laughs> now I'm like, "Shit, I should have gone to Disneyland with right. Michael Jackson." What was I thinking? Um, but that started it, I think. And then over the years, I've just you know. I've bugged friends with that had stuff. I got a Dumbo for my 40th birthday. From, oh, from the Dumbo ride. From the Dumbo ride. And I have some pretty cool stuff. Um, but just recently, like the last year or two, people didn't realize you could buy it. And they had an auction at Eaton's or something. And all the stuff went for so much money. So now everybody's you know, knows that they can get it. Yeah. It's worth a lot, I guess, a lot of stuff. Yeah, it's it, it's – I think uh... – when after eBay became popular and people realized, like, oh, I'm, 
you know, as a as a person who lives nowhere near any of this world, I yeah. can just buy can whatever. This, of it, yeah. Now it's really hard to get. I um I have friends. Uh, a friend of mine has one of the um one of the old haunted mansion. Oh, the, uh, yeah, the, right. the paintings that scroll right, and it has the scroll marks down the side. Yeah, you it's could, the woman could... sitting on the headstone. It's cool. Neil Patrick Harris has a lot of. He has a ton of Disney stuff. stuff. Yeah. yeah. And um, who else has it? I mean, it's it's sort of it's just hard to get. I was going to say, uh, do you know any Disney people? Like any Iger? of the Disney? And I'm friends with like Bob Iger and you know and all these guys. And I'm always afraid to like ask. I have a. I asked one time. This guy um, was uh, the president of the parks, and they were they were redoing Small World. And I said, Hey, can I just get like a, a head or something? I said, what? What? <laughs> I remember I was at dinner, and they, he goes, well, What Small World you know character do you want? And then it was, that oh, sounds oh, creepy. Yeah, yeah. And I said, What's a good one? And they said, uh, The Can Can Girl. I said, The Can Can Girl. And then this whole Can Can Girl showed up <gasps> at my house. Holy shit! Did you, that's amazing. I know it's cool. Where do you put that? Well, it's downstairs because again, it's a little creepy. <laughs> uh, I have the Dumbo in my front yard flying, flying high. But I feel like once I feel like the Dumbo is sort of the preview of like I don't think anyone would think that was weird. Like if you have no, no, Dumbo no. in the front and then it's super cool. It's a small world. Uh-huh. I think that'd be totally fine. Yeah, I don't have anything big like, like that. Like that. It's tough, you know. Yeah, like I said, like you said, it's tougher to get. Um, but it's cool. I don't know. My 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 wife's grandparents were friends with Disney, and they owned Disneyland, right? <laughs> they did not own Disneyland, no? but they were friends with him. And I, she said, you know, I'm sure they must have had stuff, and I don't yeah. know where any of it is. So I I feel like. The next several years of my life are basically going to be like uh, Indiana Jones of Disney. Yeah, Disney. right. When did you? Were you always a Disney? Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I, I've I moved to Los Angeles when I was seven, uh, sixteen, mm-hmm. and when I was seventeen, I got my first annual pass to Disneyland, wow. and I've had one ever since. And you know, when I was a kid, my mom's from Florida, so we went to Disney, Disney World, World and Epcot yeah. Center, and so I've always been a huge that Sunday night. Um, that that world of Disney thing that would happen on Sunday yeah, nights yeah, yeah, yeah. when I you know when I was a kid and they'd show yeah. a Disney movie and some cartoons I mean that was always that was so always cool. my favorite. How did you get into Club Thirty Three? There was an opening. It I guess yeah there was yeah. an opening and we um, applied and yeah mm-hmm. yeah and uh, and we got it we got in. Is it because you married into money now that you can? Uh, <laughs> I don't just, know. Uh, just not the time. I, mean, I don't know. He, uh, for years, no Club Thirty Three. Now it's he gets married and boom. I'm I know. Thirty Three. Yeah, I know. I know. One eighty seven. I know. I feel like uh, I feel like it was. I mean that was that was a very big thing. That was almost that was almost emotional. Like I'll I was to pass by that door. Now you can take me. I can right? take. I absolutely can take you. Can take you. Can yeah, they, take you. they stopped letting that stuff out. Lasseter stopped. It's like because they were auctioning off everything on that on that thing. Not to go back, but um, like I have a uh, uh, one of my coolest things: the devil from the um, the end of Mr. Toad's Wild Ride. You, you have gets, that? Yeah, there's like a little devil. That's fantastic. You gotta come over. One of the little guys who are suspended in the. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Maybe he goes. The, he gets hit by a train and then you know he's in hell and yeah. I mean, it's, it's always like, creepy. It's the wind, the wind in the willows. People don't even and. As they've updated Disneyland, I've always feared, like, well, I hope they don't get rid of Mr. Toads, because right. no one really knows Wind in the Willows, and it's also, for a Disney ride, it's like, he gets drunk, and he goes yeah, to right. j- j- hell. Yeah. Like, the ride ends with you going to hell, right. and so it's just sort of a strange... Kind of uh, autobiographical... <laughs> right, right, exactly. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> it's very... It was, it was at one point very odd, but I'm sure Saget's told you at least a couple stories. He did, but... Um, but- 
Did you do you talk about that? The drunk stuff? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I talked about it. Not sober up myself, you know. Oh, that congratulations. Year and a half nice, or so. nice job. Oh, really nice job. Bob yeah, Bob the other day I said I was coming to see you, Saget, and he was like, uh, you know he has to own everything. He was like, Oh Chris is my best friend, everything. We did we were in a car accident together, saved his life, you know, he's been sober ever since. Right? A little bit of that. Bob Bob was uh we were very I've been I've been friends with him since the nineties. Wow. I mean I know you've I know obviously you guys, uh, you can have him. It's okay. No, no, <laughs> no. You take him. You win. But he really is such a, a sweet, beautiful, man. lovely, beautiful man. Good, loyal friend, yes, and yeah. you know he's one of those people that I feel like ah, I never. Every once in a while, we'll text each other and I'll go, "Let's grab dinner." I'll go, "Great!" And then six months go by, and I threw a big 60th birthday party for him. I did. Invited I was out you. Of town. I was out of town. And and Bob said when I brought this up, he said he didn't even, he didn't he didn't RSVP. He didn't even RSVP. Yeah, I was I was out of town. I, I didn't get back until the day after that. Remember, the party was on a Saturday night, and then get back yeah. till Sunday. So it was a funny deal because. I wanted to throw him a party, and he loves to play music, so I thought, oh, I'll have it at my house and we'll jam, you know? And then I thought, there were some people like Norman Lear I wanted to invite, and Don Rickles and stuff. I said, well, it might be hard to get up my house, the steps. So then I had it at, moved it to Jeff Franklin's house, the creator of Full House. Mm-hmm. And then it just kind of got bigger and bigger and bigger. Now, now, literally, I hope Bob's not listening. Literally, I'm in for like 60 grand. <laughs> I'm not kidding. And I'm like, shit, what do I do? Like... Like I can't get out of this. Some Disney shit. I'm not, yeah, right. <laughs> Who wants to buy a sign? Yeah, I'll buy it. Okay, yeah. you're dead. Right. Michael. <laughs> so really it was like and it was such an interesting thing because it wasn't his fault, you know. I just it just got bigger and bigger and yeah, bam, okay, let's get a you know, a thing. Let's have a the big PA system, let's get photographers, let's get this and that, you know. Catering, yes, but steak. Of course, of course it's Bob Saget. And I just didn't think about it. So I couldn't tell him. Like, what an asshole friend. And I remember I was so pissy that day. And I was like, I was telling my girlfriend, I was like, God, I can't be. It's not his fault. But, you know, I got to go and make this the best day of his life and not and never tell him how much money I spent on his party. Right. And then he took me for my birthday, hand to God, to the smokehouse across the street from Warner Brothers. I swear. No, just out of curiosity, was it like it's that, so? It's like fifty grand at the smokehouse, right? Yeah, yeah. white wings and <laughs> how did you meet Bob? <laughs> Comedy circuit? No, I met Bob. Uh, God, in the nineties. I, I did a show for MTV called Singled Out, right? And right. Singled Out, the when the series wrapped in nineteen ninety eight, we had our rap party at this billiard place called Q's, which was in Santa Monica. There was one in West LA and one in Santa Monica, mm. and we we're in Santa Monica. And Bob was there with his nephew Adam. Yeah, right. And uh, and being a huge, being a comedian and a huge comedy nerd, mm. I mean, I knew a lot of Bob's stuff from the '80s. Right. And then all of a sudden, he just walks over and he's like, "Hi, I'm Bob. Yeah. It's my nephew Adam. His mom's dead." <laughs> and uh, <laughs> this was literally the first thing he said to me. And uh, you know, we've been friends. We've been friends ever since. What happened? You guys were driving drunk or something? Or he was. I never drove drunk. Bob had had a few. I'm sure the statute of limitations has run out on this now from 1999. Mm-hmm. Bob, Bob had had a few, you know, we used to, we were drinking buddies. And I think that was sort of, that was our friendship dynamic for a handful of years. Mm. You know, I'd just get a call from Bob at like midnight. Where are you? Mm-hmm. Like, oh, I'm at this bar that I'm too old to be at. But, you know, at that point <laughs> I was like 30, you know, 29, 30 years old. I was at a college yeah. bar. So Bob was really too old to be there. But we would all hang out there because, you know, he'd get the Danny Tanner card and people yeah. would be like, you know, like all the young people, like, oh, he's Danny there. You know, they loved him. So, yeah, I don't know. We were just, you know, we he lived in the 
Palisades or wherever yeah. it was he was living, and he we were driving up Sunset, like right by the 405, where it's very. He windy. was driving. He was driving. And the car flipped. He, or something? No, the car didn't flip. We weren't even in an accident. That's it's what just, he said. Because you, you flipped over eight times. And... No, the car just he kind of fell a dozed off a little bit, and the car jerked, jerked yeah. and we were like, "Whoa!" And of course, when you've been drinking, you think that's hilarious, and then in <laughs> retrospect, you're like, "I'm how did I not die? What right. a terrible idea." Did you just say that's it? I'm not drinking after that. It was, no, well, that was sort of the beginning. I mean, it took a few years before I actually quit, but that was, you know, you, Sorry, when, you, no. when you start having a few of those moments, and they yeah. just you start logging them, and you're like, you know, I don't know. Yeah, why am I doing? This? Yeah, and yeah. then, uh, but a lot of it was my career was dead. I wasn't doing anything. I just I was, you know, just bloated and yeah. drunk and gross all the time. It's crazy how things can turn around so fast, right? <laughs> it really. Well, and the older you get, the le- it just doesn't do anything good no, for you. No, no, no. Yeah, I know. It feels good. To and you still look twenty nine. <laughs> and you're just like, I don't know. Is it? Is it? Is it the Greek genes? Yeah. What is it? I drink Lori Lachlan's blood. <laughs> the blood of Lori Lachlan. Do you? You said comedy earlier. You know, like being around Bob and Dave was a great thing for me because, and it was a good combination because I was, you know, came from an acting standpoint, and I would say, well, how do we make this scene better? And what's it, you know? And they came from a comedy standpoint, but. I was a comedy nerd too, and I got to meet so many great people through through Bob and you know Gary Shandling and yeah. um, uh, a lot of their comic friends. You know, I'd go to the store with them, and uh, we well, just said Norman Lear and, and Don Rickles. Don, yeah, well, I Bob had the relationship with Norman Lear. I I had the relationship with Don Rickles for for you know maybe twenty years now. He's oh been sort of like a mentor, you know, father kind of figure in my life. He's so I've only met him once, but he was the sweetest. Yeah, yeah, the was, sweetest guy. Just a brilliant guy but but just a genius like you go back and listen to his stuff and his timing and, and i love it because all not as much now he's he's you know 90 91 and he's slowing down a little bit but like a lot of times i would i got a record of his called hello dummy and he hadn't heard it and he said what do you want for your birthday kid i said i'm gonna bring hello dummy over i'm gonna play it i want to stop and ask you about jokes. oh that's genius it was it sounds genius on paper but he was like ah, i don't know how i did that i'm doing rickles i'm doing rickles but it was but we got to sit and listen to it together uh, I'm just fa- I'm not I could never do stand up comedy but I'm fascinated by comedy and rhythms and um, you know construction of jokes and what you guys do is 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 really interesting. To well, me. Bob's rhythm, you know, like Bob, I discovered Bob in the '80s on the Dangerfield special, uh-huh. and his rhythm of joke telling, which is just this ceaseless, you know, I have no friends, I have no uh, life, and, and I'm not your mom, you know. Uh, right, right. Uh, he, I mean, we always I I loved. I loved his his because he never would slow down. And it's right. like the audience would always have to, you'd kind of have to grab on with, yeah. with him. Or you'd lose it, yeah. And uh, well, you study, you watch these guys too, like a Bob or, or all, you know all these guys. It seems like they sort of have a rolodex in their heads, and they can get to it really fast if they need to. Especially if it's ad living like Bob does or Rickles or whatever. Yeah, think? I think I think with stand up, you know, with acting as an actor. The funny thing about acting is it's the thing that you probably – it's a job that you actually probably actually do very little of mm-hmm. when you're doing it. When you're on a movie or a television show or something, you do it in a in a chunk of time or just for a couple hours at a time. But with stand-up, you know, you can go out and do it, se- you know, several hours a week where you're just on Chris, stage. Chris, I work 14 hours a day. What are you talking about? <laughs> are you acting that entire time? Oh, I see what you're saying. I mean, like, no, you go yeah, to right. work. Well, theater, you know, you do. I've done a lot of theater, so you... Theater's you know. great. That's a perfect analogy, actually. Right. So, with theater, you probably get better or more attuned to it really quickly yes. because you're just doing it 
you're on stage so much and mm-hmm. you're you're doing it you know you're doing eight shows a week or whatever mm-hmm. and so that as opposed to television or film acting which is what i meant before but yeah, you, you just you evolve very quickly because you have and you have a direct relationship to the audience right. whereas when you're on film it's like you do stuff and then right. it's it's kind of in someone else's hands yes, yeah, you know yeah, yeah. that's the beauty of theater because you go like well this is what I want these people to see right here, right now, that's what they're going to see. Nobody's going to mess with my performance or take special takes or cut it out. So, And you get, you get feedback. And you get feedback, yeah. yeah but so then the kinda... pitfall of that is you're doing the same show every day for <laughs> six, seven, eight months. I know, but that's what's great about stand-up is that you don't have to stick to anything. You can yeah. tell the jokes that you told or you can riff or you, can, you can't – once you're in a – and I think that's why I never thought theater was something I want to do. It's like, but mm. then you're just trapped. Sort of. I mean, you could – I did cabaret for about eight months and that was – that was incredible because the MC, and I remember getting the script at first. It was like, MC ad libs this, MC ad libs that shit. And you really play, the character really played with the audience. So you could change that up. And, you know, your approach is different each night with, with um, different shows. But yeah. You, you know. But you played with the Beach Boys, which is, how does that, how do you, how does that come about? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I was a, fa- a super fan, you know, of them. I, I remember, I think, hearing them. I had an eight track of, of Endless Summer. And um, I just became a, you know, I loved him. And I, I knew the guitar player, and there was this guy named Jeffrey Foskett. And um, I became friends with him. And then I was on General Hospital at the time, I think, and I would go to shows. And they had a, sort of a loose uh, show. I mean, it was, especially during the 80s, there was a lot of different musicians. And there were different camps. The Wilson camp sort of had four, five, ten, eight players. And the Mike Love camp had, a, you know, there was 14, <laughs> 17 people on stage, you know. And I remember Mike Lover, one of them, they said, you know, you want to play Bob Rand at the end of uh, this encore or whatever. It was great, yeah. And then they were going on to play at the, it, um, at the Washington Monument in D.C. on the 4th of July. And Jimmy Page is on guitar. Jesus. Said, Do you want to come out and play, you know, the encore, four or five songs? <laughs> like, yeah. It was a million. The first show, one, the first in the afternoon, it was in Philadelphia at the steps there of the... Um, and I think it was a million people or something. Jesus Christ. And then that afternoon was at um, at, the, at the monument. And my, my friend was the guitar player, Jeff, and he got, you know, um, he had to go, they asked him to go teach Jimmy Page what keys. <laughs> <laughs> so he goes, you want to go? I'm like, yeah. So we go, and he's in this big hotel suite, and there were these anvil cases all around, and I thought maybe they were guitars. Or, they were like devil shit. It was devil shit, like, you know, whips and you know, bondage stuff. Fantastic. Isn't that great? That is and, fantastic. Uh, <laughs> That's exactly what right? I want to hear. Jesus. That's exactly like, what I want to hear. And I remember him offering me like a Jack Daniels, like, oh, no, can I have a light beer, you know? And, and, um, <laughs> and he had this girl with him that, that sort of, and we were on the road for a couple, three days, or whatever, and, and, and he had a girl who had like a different bruise and a different sort of cigarette burn. Each oh, from day. all the S&M stuff? I think so, yeah. Yeah. You know, it's funny because I, I think rock, I think musicians now, it's like, oh, I just bring my Xbox everywhere. It's like, yeah, you know, yeah, I think it's right. changed quite a, a bit, bit. From, the 70s, yeah. from the 70s and the 80s. But then I got, somehow my friend got one off with his roadie, and I, literally, I swear to you, Chris, I'm sitting next to Jimmy Page, and he goes, okay, what key is uh, Bob Rand in? I said, uh, F sharp. I can't fucking solo an F He's screaming at me, you know. I said, I didn't, I didn't pick the key. Sorry. <laughs> what about fun, fun, fun? E flat. I can't fucking solo an E flat. Please don't hit me with anything. Yeah. That's the greatest concert of my life. That's how it started. And then I just kind of hung around them for years. And then. I had them on my TV shows. I had a show before Full House called uh, You Again with Jack Klugman. Again, like oh, these right. old, great you know, comics and, and actors I love hanging out with. Um, 
and uh, I had them on there. Um, and then Full House, they came on, and then I recorded with them. And God, General Hospital, it's like the idea. I mean, reality shows kind of killed soap operas to I a know, degree, but that. I mean, you were on in the sweet spot. It was a sweet spot, like yeah. like early '80s mm-hmm. soap operas. I mean, my mom watched. All, I mean, I remember. Yeah. Yeah. I knew what the storylines were. <laughs> like if I stayed home from school, you know, right? it's fucking. It was crazy. I'm doing, I just sold a show because I've, I've I've been thinking a lot about that time and that period, and and um, I'm doing a show about sort of my. I grew up in Orange County, like I said earlier, and it was very you know straight Republican, you know. Uh, and I got on TV, and I, wor- I was working at my father's restaurant, and I got on General Hospital, and I would work on the show during the week, and then work at my dad's restaurant on the week. He wouldn't <laughs> let me quit. He was like, you're not going, you know. And so, just to keep me humble, and he didn't think it was going to, you know, this acting thing was going to last. And so, but I love the idea of, you know, I'm sort of making this show about my point of view into that world. I mean, I auditioned on a Monday, and I shot it on a Wednesday, and it aired a week later. And like okay. you said, it was during a time when, you know, they were on the cover of Time Magazine, and Luke and Laura were getting married, and Sammy Davis Jr. was on the show, and Elizabeth Taylor, and it was a big deal, you know. And I was thrust into sex and drugs and weird fame. I mean, it's a weird fame. You know, we were f- super famous, but... You know, we were still kept down because we were, you know, soap opera guys. Or, right. You know, um, and it was a really interesting time. I mean, to get <laughs> to say like thrust into sex and drugs, I mean, it was just like all of a sudden. It really was. They were Chris, just throwing it at you? Yeah. I mean, I was, you know, I was not super popular in junior high school. High school, a little maybe towards the end. Uh, I grew into something and I was like, oh, girls are, you know, you know, but that hit, it hit hard, you know, and it was, I was on the cover of all these teen magazines and that's, that was another whole weird world, these teen, you know, teen magazines. There was a, there was an editor of, um, I can't remember, it was Tiger Beat or one of those and she was friends with my mother. Her name was Doreen Leoy and she sort of helped, you know, get me on these magazine covers and kept me going and again was very good friends with my mother and then later, years, years, years later ended up marrying uh, Richard Ramirez, the Hillside oh Strangler. Oh my God. <laughs> so, I mean, there's... <laughs> weird, yeah. But that whole world was weird, the teen idol thing and then, yeah, I mean, there were girls around, you know, Demi Moore was on the show at the time and um, Janine Turner and there was, a, there, was, there was a lot of, there was some drugs, you know, at that time, I guess. I, um, I, I was shielded from it for the most part the the drugs but there was all of a sudden there were women Ken Schreiner who who's still on there played Scotty he was like a sort of an older brother am I rambling too much no 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 this is you're getting this is good stuff he was sort of an older brother I haven't really talked about that he was an older brother and he would we would go to um we would go to Chippendales for girls now so what would happen is it would be from like 8 to 11 would be the show and then from 11 to 2 it was a club so he had the the deal. So we'd go in through the back, right at like a you know ten fifty five, and eleven when the show ends, we scoot right. We were the only two guys in a <laughs> room full of women slipping off their seats <laughs> because they've just seen this. They've just uh, seen the show. Seen yeah, the dancers show. are gone. You know, right? No, it was pretty. It was it was all that. I mean, was it that time? Was any of it? Uh, was it fun, or at a certain point, was it like, oh, I don't know, this kind of feels weird, or it feels empty, or it feels, or was it just like, oh, we're oh, young and it's fun? I was eighteen years old. Oh, okay, then never mind. My yeah. whole okay, life, yeah, I wanted to be on yeah. TV and yeah. be famous and get went girls. Oh no, it was the greatest. <laughs> the, the, I loved it. I mean, it was so bad. The, the, the only I would sleep in my dressing room. We'd stay, we, you know, we'd hang out all night. And the only thing that was, um, I wanted to do, I wanted to. Um, 
be on a sitcom. I loved sitcoms. I grew up watching Happy Days and you know all the Gary Marshall shows and that type of. That's what I wanted to do. I didn't want to be on a, on a dramatic soap opera. So when my con, I was only supposed to be on for like five episodes, and then they were going to kill my character, and then a lot of mail came in and whatever. So so I stayed around, but they had me for nothing, like four hundred dollars an episode or something. Mm-hmm. So when my contract was up, I was I was like, I'm going to leave. And Gloria Monty, who was like this incredible producer at the time, she said, you you, you can't go. And I said, I got to. I want to do comedy. I said, you'll never work in this town again. You know? mm-hmm. But I I ended up getting out. And, and I, the first – well, I did one show um, uh, on CBS, but then the, the, the Jack Klugman show was after that. I mean, it is tricky. It's, it's, it's a – that – Obviously, television changed now since since then. You know, sitcoms really ruled in the in the at least up through the eighties and yes, into the nineties. Yeah. But but it was still you know not an easy thing to get. You know, uh-huh. a sitcom to get a show that gets picked up and then continues to go is a very difficult thing. Tell me about it. <laughs> <laughs> Been trying to... Well, I had this. Maybe you had this too. It was just like I didn't put up any boundaries. I didn't know. My, my parents did that. Do you want to be an actor? you want to get on TV? Go, do it. I didn't really think. Now you think too much about stuff, right? But sure. I just was innocent. I was like, oh, of course, I'm this, is, this is what I'm going to do. And I did it. I, yeah, I don't know how. Well, I, I think, mean, you know, if you, if you don't create a lot of the boundaries, because it really, it's really easy to be like, well, I'm not good enough, or why right, would I get this? Right, or yeah. I'm never, that's never going to give this to me. I, I yeah, still yeah. do that. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it, and it's a business that really, if you have even some of that stuff, you really have to weather because it just the business just beats those oh, down yeah, yeah, so yeah, hard. Yeah, yeah. It's just like it just it just peels back the onion layers and then just starts <laughs> punching you in, yeah. uh, in the soul. As you get older, maybe you are just, just like oh, you know, fuck it. I mean, you know, it's, <laughs> it's cool. Yeah, you, I don't get that. All right, fine. I'll get something else. Well, yeah. I mean, it's when you've when you've had success and failed and had success and fallen down and had success yeah. and fallen down. at a certain point you're like oh i guess not everything means everything and it's right. like you can yeah you know you go you just exactly. kind of go through periods and you know as soon as you have that attitude shit starts coming like crazy you know i wish i had it you know at certain times in my life you know where where i'm at now obviously you know what i mean like yeah. you just don't stress over it. and people can see it they go oh he's not fighting too hard for this it's not yeah let's give it to him yeah because when you there's something we there's something i think that turns people off when they feel like you need them or you right, need yeah, it yeah, and they yeah. feel like well what's wrong with this person that they're so desperate why did they right. let's give it to this guy who clearly doesn't need it yeah he's exactly. got all the answers yeah. i mean that's it can I, can I feel like that's what happens i went up, I, I i went up the ranks with jason uh bateman and took him to lunch one day so what this was like a few years ago when i was struggling trying to figure out where, what my next move was i said what's the secret man he goes i just stopped giving a shit like i just went in cool i said how do you do that he goes Lexapro. <laughs> oh. <laughs> All right. But he said, as soon as I stop caring, like it all you know, kind of started happening. Well, all the caring stuff is just all ego stuff. You know, yes. it's ego and it's fear. And it's, and I think there's something to the idea of feeling like, I think what helps you not care is feeling like no matter what, I'm going to be okay. Right, right, if I don't right. get this thing, I'm going to be fine. Right. You know, think about how many... You know, there must have been jobs that you almost got that you didn't get and you felt like, well, that's it. I can't fucking, I can't. And then years go by and you go, it's actually kind of good I didn't get that thing. For it sure. would not have worked out well. And I think that with women as well. <laughs> I was telling some one of these kids, now all of a sudden I'm like the old guy on the set. By the way, what just happens like in the blink of an eye, you're sure. like the old, you know, I'm on Scream Queens now and they're all a bunch of young kids and I was giving someone advice. They were, you know, whining about their boyfriend or something. I said, you're not going to be with this guy. <laughs> I mean, if I was with, you know, 
whoever. When uh, you were 19, 20, 21. Yeah, it's like, you know, forget. I would kill myself if I was still with that girl. <laughs> You're not going to be with that person. Don't worry about it. Right? I mean, you know. Yeah. And you, you've been, th- and you, you know, you, you're, you get phases throughout your life. Yeah. And, you know, you've been single and you've been married and you've been single. And, and like, do you, does any part of it, do you have a preference to any part? Or is it, does everything sort of like have good and bad points? With be, in a relationship, yeah, being in a relationship, not in a relationship, married, not married. Well, you, you know, I mean, my feeling is like it's it's like having the one, like you know, I'm in a really good relationship now, as, as you are. Um, you know, having that one person that's your best friend and your soulmate, and there for you is better than you know, fucking a bunch of girls and hanging out and doing whatever you want. But it's not that much better. <laughs> but he's better. <laughs> Right, I think I personally think it's way better, and I'm not just saying that I just got married. Okay, yeah, I'll tell you why. Because the time, yeah, oh, I love you so much. But mm-hmm. the times, I, I'm just sort of, um, I'm kind of a serial monogamist, right. and I'm not a good dater. Mm-hmm. And I just love getting, I love being at that point with someone where you're like, oh, let's just get in our pajamas and watch movies. Yeah, no, no, like that. I feel like it's so much work to try to navigate. This person sent a text. What does that mean? Well, what is it? Like, I overanalyze everything. It's just so much energy. 100%. And I feel like most people are wrong for you. Like, most people in the world are just wrong for you. And it's not going to work out. And so it just, the exercise of futility gets It's exhausting. It is exhausting. No, you're right. It is way better. And, 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 you know, you you forget about it until you're in it. And it's been a while since I've been in a great, great relationship. So you're right. It is way better. (laughs) I was saying, we we were listening to your podcast. It was really sweet. And I go... Let's we have this long time. So what what else is on these podcasts? Do they have any like sort of sexy, you know, like uh, and so she's flipping through and she finds one on this deal and it was sort of like a uh sex like just telling stories, like a, a an erotic, you know, story thing. Yeah. And we're driving down four or five and it, and they you know, it was about two doms, which I didn't know what the like a dom two dominants yeah. right. And it was a girl and like these two guys and it was Sort of getting really sexy, and she's getting ready, and her boyfriend's there, and then the guy comes in, knock, knock, oh, there's, you know, Jim is here, and, you know, and I looked at Jim, and we're, we're both really started getting a little turned on, and then, and then she says, and then Jim, you know, he still looked good for 60. <laughs> it was a little, my hand to God, I swear to God, it's a little pudgy, and, but then I look at myself in the mirror, and I've got short gray hair, and I'm like, turn this shit off, go back to, go back to Hardwick, we'll listen to him, and. You're listening okay. to granny porn. Yes, I mean. <laughs> I couldn't find my hand to God. So that was my podcast. So we had a conversation about knitting while he tried to get hard, and uh, he was pudgy at sixty. <laughs> oh, damn it! Yeah, well, it's there's a podcast for everything. I mean, I we're in this kind of golden age of podcasts because it, you know, there wasn't for so long. Media was dictated by giant companies because yes, the yeah. cost of technology was just it, it for it it was forbidding to be like you just couldn't do it yeah and get it out to anyone you know but well, now no, the no, distribution this is, a great is cheap th- and, thing. and and you you know like you said you could sit and you can kind of get the feel of somebody you know you, the only place I did it was Howard Stern yeah which you know he's the, the greatest I don't know if you listen to him yeah he I mean he is essentially he's kind of the even though he's not a podcast he's a show right he's kind of the godfather of this style of conversation the last five years I think he's really clicked into it but you can get you know he's a genius and you can get trapped you know even just by yourself. Which has always been a little scary with these things, right? I mean, I don't know if it, has it happened to you because people listen to this and they go, "Oh, Stamos said he spent sixty grand on," that. you know, <laughs> not that one, but like you know, yeah. I mean, but we because you you feel so comfortable, you feel comfortable. But I always like I don't. My goal with these is never to put anyone in a position where they feel weird, or if someone ever said something that they were like, you know, right. oh, can you actually take that out? Because I. Mm-hmm. 
it's not my nature to go, you said it. You're like, right, I don't right. want people to make news that way by embarrassing right. themselves. If they feel like if they feel uncomfortable at something, I'll just take right. it out. Yeah, yeah. So I don't think it, Howard tries it either, but he just likes to, you know, obviously just dig. I remember I said something. I can't remember what it was about somebody I was dating. And I asked him to pull it out. I think he did on one of the one of the. Well, he just he, he'll just uh, he just goes right for the. So you bang a lot of chicks back then? Hey, <laughs> yeah. What was that like? Is she really good in bed? Yeah, you know, like it's just like yeah. he just goes right for the. Yeah, I yeah, might dance yeah. around things, and if you feel like talking about them, they'll come out. But right. I, I don't, I don't ever want because I just feel like people are happy when they're comfortable and yes, being yeah, yeah. conversational. And I don't, I don't ever want people to feel put on the spot right. ever because we're not trying to. I'm not trying to break news. Yeah, I just want to. Just good. I just, I just want to talk to people. Just a nice guy. I'm Chris. okay. I'm happy for you. You've been no. married what? How long? Two weeks? Three now? weeks. And they said it wouldn't last. Yeah, three weeks. <laughs> Still, how long? Well, we're you, in counseling now. How, how, how long did you date? We dated a year when we got engaged. Uh huh. And, and then how long before you got married? A, it was a year. It was we got engaged after oh. the Creative Arts Emmys last year, uh-huh. and then um, we got married just a couple weeks before this year. Yeah, because I knew it was really easy. But how long did you date before you got engaged? A year. So two years, the whole thing. Two years have been the whole thing. Yeah. 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 Great. So kids? Are you, are you she kids? wants kids, and and yeah, and, and it's actually the first time where. I don't know if this will make sense, but if you're like you're with someone and they say, "Oh, I want to have kids" or "I want to get married," and something about your body just goes, "Don't do that!" Like it just like something something that you can't put your finger on tells you that it's not the right thing to do. Right. I never had any of those red flags with her. I was like, "Yeah, let's get yeah, sure, let's have let's have kids." I mean, they're loud and they shit on things and they'll destroy all of our stuff, but let's have let's have kids. So good for you. How old is she? She's. Thirty-two, almost yeah. thirty-two. Great. I think. Yeah. Perfect. So we're we're like right in the sweet spot, and I'm forty. Forty-four. It's all right. I know no, it's fine. I'm fifty-three. But man. you look fucking great. Fuck it. It's not all about looks. No, but it's nice that you look great. Uh, but you know what? It's not even just <laughs> that you. It's not even just that you're handsome. I mean, you look good because it's obvious that you take care of yourself, and I think that is the. You know, like looking good is sort of the byproduct of just making healthy choices. Like mm-hmm. I just think people should just make healthy choices. Yeah, I think so yeah. I mean, I try to stay keep stress out of my life. I guess maybe. How do you do that? Well, I mean, you tackle each thing specifically, right? I mean, um, I mean, what like what's stressing you out today besides? Uh... It's always minutia. It's always dumb. Like right. I don't ever when whenever things are really, really, when things really blow up, I'm actually pretty good in those instances. It's just mm-hmm. like the minutia of things. But shit always works out, doesn't it? Like, like we said, it's, it always sort of finds its way and you stress so hard about shit. But a lot of people stress so hard about things that never happen. Yeah. That's what I try not to do. Well, that becomes, I think, um, almost uh, kind of like... Um, you know, so it's what's the word I'm looking for? It's kind of uh, superstitious, right? To you know, where it's like, oh, if I stress about this thing, it won't happen. I think right. people do that, right, 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 right. but it. I think you know, we just some of us are just toilers where we just kind of need to, <laughs> and I think that's part of the. I think it probably all goes back to the same obsessive drinking stuff. Yeah, yeah. Right. I really. How do. long have you been sober? Oh, uh, 13 years? Pretty great, huh? Yeah, it's yeah, great. And what, what was there anything that made you decide, I don't want to do this anymore, or just a general, like, yeah, it was like, time. Yeah, it yeah. Was time. I got a DUI, too, which was really um, awful, embarrassing, and heartbreaking. And, you know. I mean, I knew it was time before that, but, it, you know, when it got to that, I was like, oh, my God, what a fucking idiot I am. Like, I could have killed somebody, or, you yeah. know, it was not... Um, 
wasn't good. I mean, it, it, in some cases, those can be the best thing. That can be the best thing to happen if no one gets hurt because yeah, it's, it's, it's a wake up call. It was. Yeah, I lost my mom, and I just had a you know I was going through you know extremely rough time, and it was just time. You know, it was time. And, and you look back and go, God, what you know? I had such a beautiful childhood. Like I said, my parents, and you know, what would what you know what would they think of me like right now? Like I, I can't do that. I got to get back to. I did. I had to reset myself to yeah. who I was and who I was brought up to be. Discipline and you know honesty and a good person and 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 I was like, oh, I know how to do it. I stop fucking around. It's just it's hard because especially if you start, you know, you get thrust into this world, you mm-hmm. know, when you're 18 years old and it's fun. Yeah, it's you can handle it then. And then right? at a certain point. It shifts, and mm-hmm. it doesn't just become fun. It's sort of like, now I need to do this, but you don't really know exactly when that happens. Right, 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 right. But because, you know, the constant, the pers- like pursuing that stuff kind of stunts you emotionally, so you're not ever actually dealing with anything. Right, right, Then right, at a certain right, point, right. you're like, well, now I can't deal with anything, and now and I need, need this. Even more. Yeah. yeah, that's and right. And then that's where you hopefully can get lucky enough to get help. And get straight. Yeah, I had good help. Um, it. Yeah, it's it was all part of like not wanting to grow up either. I mean, mm-hmm. talk about Disneyland and Peter Pan syndrome and all. That. I mean, <laughs> you know, it just meant. And I didn't, you know, for the longest time, still, like, I didn't have those tent poles of, you know, uh, kids and you know, a real job or whatever. And you know, it was all it was all kind of easy going. And 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 it feels good to be grown up now. I know exactly what you, what you mean. You know what I mean? Did you <laughs> I, fight it? Did you? Did you? Of course, fight I it fought and, it. But you know, now I sort of appreciate. I kind of appreciate that I had to learn. Uh-huh. I, it's kind of nice that I didn't just know. It's kind of fun that you you kind of earn it, you know? Right. It's like, well, this wisdom yeah. comes from experience, not just, you know, I didn't, I don't take it for granted. Like, I didn't just know. I had to really learn it. Learn it, yeah. yeah. And But then, but you can't really take advantage of it if you're not, you know, sort of on top of it, right? Of everything you've learned and everything you, I right. mean, sometimes I'll go like, Jesus, how do I, how do I, how do I know that? Or how do I, how can I get, well, I've been doing this for 35 years and, <laughs> But I wasn't clear enough to, to to do it. But I was just afraid of being like I guess being grown up seemed like old and fuddy duddy and not fun and whatever. Well, that was a byproduct of our parents' generation, right. and and that was I think that was you know you know our parents grew up in a in, the, in, in a post war era where it was this pursuit of an American dream, and it's like you just get a job mm-hmm. and you work, you know. Then at a certain point, you retire and you get a watch and you. Yeah, and I was really lucky. My dad oh. pursued what he wanted. Most people, I think, didn't. And so they just got old quicker because yeah, right. they just wanted to retire at 50 or 55 and right. then not have to do anything anymore. And they yeah. got in their pajamas and at, by 4 o'clock and mm-hmm. watched Jeopardy. Yeah. So to us, our parents' generation, 55, 60, was actually kind of like, well, that's it. Yeah. And in our generation, it's like, no, there's a, it can actually start then. Totally. And it's, a, it's, a, it's just a more full, rich life, day, or whatever, you, whatever moment you're in, you can sort of dig into it and appreciate it more, you know, in this state, I think. Yeah. 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 It's been good. It's, a, it, it's a, yeah. And it's just nice knowing you, you get through, like, it's, again, getting back to an adult, I mean, you just, it's okay to play in this place because it's, it's, it's actually a cool, you know, it's actually a cool place to be. Yeah. Do you think like, you know, I do. settled and, and, and secure in yourself and little shit doesn't bother you. And taking it's, it's responsibility okay. for things. Yeah, right. Which, and, is, and, which and, is nice. And taking responsibility for yourself. Like you can, you know, sort of being clear like this, you end up during the day and you go, wow, I, did, I was fine today. Like I was, I was, I was myself and I gave 100% in every moment, you know, I was sort of present and each 
microtransaction during the day. I was, you know, I was my, I was who I am, and I was a good person through right. that. I don't know. Are people turning the radio off now? No, not at all. We're we supposed to talk about no, 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 this, this nerd is, stuff. <laughs> this is nerd stuff. We're sort of we're sort of nerding out about uh, the human brain. Uh, right. But I, but I think when you're younger, um, y- y- this this idea of like fighting fighting time or fighting mm-hmm. age or fighting, you know, when you think back. I mean, would you want to be 25 forever? Like, it's not the best. It no. was not the most secure time in my life. Right. And, and I, I mean, I, I, don't, I don't think I would want to go back. No, I, I mean, I guess it was good for us when you're that age. Being like, like you said, like being in a bar at 30, 40, whatever you were. Like, it's just because, it's not cute. Mm-mm. It's not, it's not, there's nothing. Yeah, it, you know, it took me longer than most to, to, uh, to, to, to grow up. But, you know, I'm happy. I'm, I like it, I think. When you think about kind of every, all the experiences and all the sh- jobs and all the shows and everything, like what do, you, what do you think of when you think back? Do you think about the work or do you think about your social life or do you think about partying or do you think about your friends? Like when you kind of think back on it, what do you reflect the most on? I think all of it. I mean, I had, you know, during those times I had a lot of good times, you know, partying or whatever, like you said, but... um I do, I do kind of uh, monitor my life through work, shows. Like I was on this show during this time, I was on that show. You know, Full House took a lot of, of those years, and I guess. Um, but it is, um, it, you do sort of wake up and go like, oh, well, I'm, get, you know, I'm getting, I'm getting on here now, right? <laughs> I don't know. I just feel it lately because I'm on this show, Scream Queens, with these kids. So I'm like, Jesus, and I'm telling them, like, have a good time, man. Have a, enjoy, enjoy your it. life. Right there, you and know. you know what? They won't listen. No. So it's you know, like that's just part of the that's yeah. just part of the deal. And honestly. A lot of them, as cool as they might try to play, they're probably shitting their pants most of the time and freaking out. Right, and yeah, yeah. it's just a – it's a very chaotic – it's a very yeah. chaotic time. I spent a lot of time like glomming on to mentors and, and to people. You know, like I said, Jack Klugman's and Gary Marshall was, you know, was one of those guys for me. And so I, all of a sudden you start finding yourself – being you know in that position, and I guess that's you know, it's about paying it forward or whatever. Who did what? Who who was kind of, was Gary Marshall kind of your biggest mentor? Well, Jack was first, I think, um, and then uh, um, then Gary. You know, Gary Jack was so great because I was doing this at Common um, Punch Up Night was whatever Wednesday nights, and he would make me sit in the room to learn about joke writing, construction, and, and you know uh, of. Um, Structure, I'm sorry, of, of these sitcoms. And, and these big writers, Gary Marshall and Jerry Belson and Harvey Miller and all these really great old guys would come in and I'd sit in the corner and I'd say something. Like, Shut up, Gary. But I sort of <laughs> g- connected with Gary. And then when Full House came around, Bob Boyette and Tom Miller, who Gary worked with on all those shows, uh, Bob suggest, uh, Gary suggested me for the part of Jesse on Full House. So, And then, I, um, then Jack... Jack and Gary were very close to the odd couple, and then Jack uh, passed away, and then, you know, and then I was with Gary a lot, and I've just always been attracted to, I don't know, attracted is the wrong word, but, you know, I've wanted to be around guys that, you know, older men that, you know, had a lot of wisdom and shit that I could learn from. I've always hung out with, you know. Sounds people. very Greek. Is it? Yeah. It sounds very Greek, mm-hmm. like the, the apprentice and the mentor and the, right, right. you know, it's very, like, very Socrates. What do you hang out with? Comics and stuff? I hang out with comics and I hang out with, I mean, I hang out with people that I, that I, that are, that are healthy and interesting yeah, and, yeah. and love what they do. And, uh-huh. you know, it's actually not even, all, it used to be all comics, but now it's, you know. What about with the new wife? Did she come with the uh, friends? Yeah, she's like? got yeah. great friends. That's great, huh? Really great friends. Really mm-hmm. nice people. Talented people. Interesting people. Right. 
you know, photographers and just interesting mm. people who just kind of I like anyone who uh, went after something that they were passionate about right. and just kind of figured out how to build their life around that thing. It's like so that's good to interesting be to me. And it's so it's good to to expand your social circle. It doesn't mean you have to get rid of old friends or whatever. It's just always good to sort of look for those people I think to bring into your life. I agree because I really think the idea and of course this is going to make me sound old, but I think the idea about getting old is just being not open to new things right, and new totally. ideas and yes. new experiences. And 100%. once you kind of, once you stop fertilizing that soil, it just dries up, right. you know? Yeah. So you have to, I think it's good to go outside what you would expect that you would like. A hundred percent. And that's why now I'm hanging out with these younger guys, Pat here, my assistant. I'm like, what's, <laughs> what music are the kids listening to? What, you know, I hate that. But, and I find myself doing, it. I don't know if you do. It's like, oh, that music is shit. What is it? What do you like, you know, Pat? What do you like? Uh, 311? What are you into? What do you yeah. like? The, uh, limb, limb biscuits? biscuits? What do you like? Uh, what are you kids? <laughs> You goddamn kids with your rolled MD, up jeans and yeah. your combat boots. Uh, <laughs> you got. But that's the hard for me. That's the hardest part. Like, oh shit, I don't want to be that guy. So I gotta listen to this new music. I gotta hear what's you know what's happening. I mean, I think right? it's. I think it's. I think it's more. I think it's better to just do you know just do it because you maybe you might have a good well, experience that you might enjoy. I have, yeah. I but, mean, but, you, but technology, I love like you know that you got to stay with. Right? Are you still playing? Any, are you still playing music? I still play with Beach Boys quite a bit. Um, I do, uh, you know, whenever I'm off and they're playing somewhere cool, I go, can I go to Hawaii with you guys? Yes. <laughs> sure. It's the greatest. Mike Love has a new book coming out t- today or tomorrow. I might as well promote that. Yeah. It's actually coming out. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Oh, yeah, because this is actually going up the same day we're recording, which is usually unprecedented. Uh, it, are you playing solo anywhere? Do you, do you ever just think like, oh, I just want to tour and do music myself? No, you know, I'm, a, I'm mainly a drummer. I don't love singing. I've sang, you know, over the years, but it's not, I don't, I like rhythm. I like, li- I love listening to melody, but I don't like, I'm not good at, at uh, notes. <laughs> I don't have the, I don't have the, I mean, I've sing, I just did um, Little Mermaid at the Hollywood Bowl where we, you know, everybody, and it took me, like, it was, I had like a three minute song. And I, I studied for like, Two months, you know. That's the thing. I will work really hard at, at anything I, you know, that I can't do. I, I always had that since I was a kid too. As long as we're talking about like aspirations, I was like, well, if I have enough time, I, I'll I can learn it. You know, mm-hmm. if I if I have to take that. Da- I remember I was on Glee, and they would these kids learn the dance stuff so fast. You know, it's like one, two, three, one, fussy, fussy, one. Oh, and they got it. <laughs> I'd be like, okay, great. I'd videotape it, and then I'd work all night with it with a dance person. You know, uh, so I do, do that a lot, but. What was my point? Oh, I don't like singing, so I just like playing drums. Sometimes I'll play with other groups. I played, um, because, you know, I guess I'm a celebrity or whatever, I got to play with like great people. There's Willie Nelson, um, uh, John Fogarty I played with a bunch, B.B. King I played with sometime. Any good stories? Any good, like, oh, I met this person and they were either good or bad? Um, they were all pretty cool. Willie Nelson, I showed up at a gig and the band guys were like, are you going to sit in? You're gonna sit? I'm like, no. Like, what? Like, no, I just came here to watch. I don't know. No, Willie would love it. You guys, we, we have people on stage all the time. I said, well, what song? Where's the set list? Said, Willie doesn't use the set list. <laughs> somehow I got pulled up and then the drummer, the, there was a, two brothers, a guy who played like a snare drum and then a percussionist and the percussionist said, here, just play all this stuff. And he wanted to play guitar, so I ended up playing, like, most of the set. <laughs> and then and then Willie's done, and he's, like, doing his walk-off song. I, I didn't met him yet. And the manager's like, go, go up there, get, get up there, and, like, to get a picture. And he looked at me, and I was like, hey, you know, and waved to the crowd, and then phew, got in his bus and left. I don't, I don't think I've ever spoken to him. <laughs> but you got to and play I've done with that. him. Yeah, I've done it, like, four or five times. 
That's amazing. Uh, You've had yeah. a lot of pretty, I mean, getting to hang out with your heroes and getting to work all this time and continuing to work and selling shows. And Are you guys doing more Fuller House? Did you know if they do just. Oh, yeah, yeah. We just finished the second season. Oh, you already shot it? Mm-hmm. Oh, fuck. I didn't even. Yeah. That's crazy. That was. I uh, heard it was like one of the most watched things Netflix has ever had. It was the most watched show on television last year. Jesus out of all, out of, Christ. Out of Here, I'll Get Your Nerds Going, out of Walking Dead, out <gasps> of all those shows. It, oh, you're the Walking Dead guy. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I there was talk a, about it. There was a, uh, they had this, this um, gauge called Symphony, I think, and, and they the Netflix doesn't endorse it, but someone else, I think, uh, put it together to see who's really watching what. Yeah, because they don't talk about it. They don't talk about it. Like but it came out that it was like Full House was the most watched show of the whole year. That's fucking amazing. It is amazing. I don't I well, I had the idea for years to go do um to do a spin-off and we couldn't sell it and then finally it and all the networks didn't take it either and finally Netflix we had a meeting with I said Netflix is never going to do this. And it, you know, it just exploded for them. The Netflix is they're smart. <laughs> yeah, you know, they I'd see say. stuff. They get it. Did you watch that uh, uh Stranger Things? Did you? Oh yeah. Oh, so good. So good. Uh, I, I mean the thing that's so brilliant about it that the Duffer Brothers did is that it's just sort of the meta show around the show of they really captured like if I had seen that in 1983, that would be it. That would be it. Like, but without been, being cheesy, like no the shitty wigs and the you know the it was so music well done. Stuff. Yeah, it was beautifully done. Yeah, all those kids and even and starting oh with the D and D and then the Demogorgon yeah. and like everything that and show. Barb. Barb, Barb. Oh, so cool. Barb. When, when Barb died, a little piece of me died. Par- Barb, that was it? There's a Barb in all of us. A little bit. There's a little Barb in all of us. <laughs> She's cute. That actress saw that I tweeted something. She was like, "Oh my god!" Oh, that's fantastic. So, what do you? So, my girlfriend's a bit of a nerd, and she loves. She's been to Comic Con a million times. Yeah. So that was, she loved it, and but I don't under like watch. You were talking about demigods and whatever. She said something last night. A, a term from from that upstairs or down. Oh, the upside down. Yeah, upside down. And I yeah. go, what's that? And she's like, you watch the fucking show. You said you were obsessed with it on Twitter. You should know what it means. It's the parallel universe. So if we're all walking here, right. then the upside down is on the same line. But is that hell? On the, no, it's not hell. It's just an alternate universe. So what happened? They they they. Who was so the monster was just one monster. Yeah, the monster was a monster in this alternate universe right. that basically these you know these cracks began to form and Matthew Modine's company was kind of investigating this. I want to go with him for Halloween. Would that be it? Was Matthew, that, that would be great. Right? That would Put be your great. Girlfriend, your wife as as Winona Ryder with those big eyes. Yep. Go with the white wig. But then she'd have to cry the whole time because Winona Ryder had to cry in every scene of Stranger uh, Things. So wait, keep going because I'm still confused about what happened. So. So, but, 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 so they were just trying to shoot that. What, what, the, what the kid, the nine? What was she doing? She was eleven. She, eleven. Ba- basically, eleven. <laughs> I think I watched it. They were unreal. They were unreal. This is what your audience is going. That fucking Stamos. The two idiot. things were initially, it, to my perception of the show, is the two things were initially unrelated. That Matthew Modine was basically kidnapping children right. and doing science experiments on them. And she developed this ability that kind of created this rip between the universes mm-hmm. and kind of open, you know, the universe, they exist kind of, you know, like in tandem, like they're sort of on top of one another, but mm-hmm. we're here and they're here. So we're on the, we're on the same place, but just in a different, different, a different universe. And, and so she, she kind of opened that up. Right. Yeah, she could penetrate. She sort of opened that up. So it was, they were related, but they were sort of unrelated at the same time. And right. so it... Summon this creature, which was hunting, which was actually look at Chris. Now we're now which, we're getting a, which, it's time to go, and he's so excited. I know. Well, because like, the thing that was genius about it is because the whole story that happened in the show 
is set up when the kids are playing D and D at the beginning. Right, like right, they, right. They basically set up this campaign, and then the, and then a version of that campaign plays Happens. out as the series. Right, and so that creature becomes the demogorgon, which they then have to hunt, and you know, so it just they and the fucking theme song. It was so the beautiful. The music was incredible. So beautiful. The, the titles, all of it. See, you you could totally do something. You could totally do something like that. What? You could totally, I could totally see you on Stranger Things, or I could see you on True Detective, or one of these limited run series that people do. You're into The Walking Dead, though. That's of course. Yeah. You should do Walking Dead. I haven't seen it. Well, I can't, can't I can't, I don't have yeah. the power to. I'm on Scream Queens. Have you watched it? I have watched Scream Queens, yeah, because um, Lydia is uh, friends with um, Emma. Oh, really? And, yeah. uh, and so, yeah, we watched Scream Queens. We were just literally just watching it two nights ago. Really? Watching Scream Queens, yeah, because we love anything horror. Yeah. Anything. This is really good this season. We're in a hot, like a haunted hospital or whatever. That's great. And it's this, um, it starts off with a, with, a, with a Halloween party, you know, in the 80s or something, and, yeah. and someone gets killed, and there's a, the character from the Halloween party that, you know, I think is killing everybody. Yeah, that Ryan Murphy's really figured out yeah, he's, how to make yeah, television. Sure has. He's yeah. figured it out. Yeah. I, you're welcome to come back whenever you like. I really appreciate um, you having me. Thank you so much for coming, and thank you for coming back after the misunderstanding last Shit week. Shit happens. It's, it's the theme of, of this whole hour here. Like, hey, we don't get stressed over silly little well, I appreciate anymore. that. It all works out. And then the mics go off, and then he walks and slams the door. This son of a bitch! <laughs> Fuck you! You fucking hippie! What'd you do to me here? <laughs> The people call people hippies is funny to me now. No one does. Chris, I've tracked you over the years, and I'm really happy for I you. Appreciate I appreciate mean, that. You know, I remember meeting you so long ago. I think with Bob, and then all of a sudden I started seeing you everywhere. And like, oh my, this guy's got the most popular show. He's got the most popular podcast. And then, I, but I always knew you were a good guy, and I'm, oh, I'm happy to that. spend a little time. Thank with you. you very much. Well, hopefully, uh, we can expand and hang out socially at some point. I would love that, as opposed to just uh, podcasty. I actually was going to email you. And say I'm so sorry about the misunderstanding. I realized I had no idea how to get a hold of you. We'll switch. So I'll, we'll, we'll swap we also info. Took nice pictures that day. We did take some good pictures. Other. Yeah, which are which are posted on uh, on the old Instagram. I really appreciate you having me on. Anything? And you want to plug last minute before we let you go? Anything you want to? Queen starts Queens? September 20th. Yep. And the new season of Fuller House is sometime in December. Fantastic. And. Um, and Bob Saget is, if you were really quiet, we can hear him complaining somewhere <laughs> in the city. <laughs> Congratulations on being a uh, well-adjusted, healthy, uh, nice-looking individual. For today. Thank you so much, John Samos. Enjoy your burrito, everyone. Now leaving Nerdist.com. Enjoy your burrito. Hey, it's Guy Raz here, the host of How I Built This, a podcast that gives you a front-row seat to how some of the biggest products were built and the innovators, entrepreneurs, and idealists behind them. Every week, I speak to someone new, stories like Justin Wolverton's, a lawyer who just wanted a healthy alternative to ice cream, so he created Halo Top in his Cuisinart. Or Todd Graves, who grew his fried chicken restaurant Raising Cane's into one of the most successful fast food chains in the U.S. All of these great conversations can help you learn how to think big, take risks, and navigate crises in life and work from people who've done all of that and more. Follow How I Built This on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to How I Built This early and ad-free right now on Wondery Plus.